Hello again and welcome to episode 4 in the Who'd Have Thought That About Drought podcast series. I'm Dr Rebecca Pierce, and I'm using this edition to pose a question. How, when and through which media should we discuss droughts? The 2004 to 2006 drought was once described by Philip Edens as one that was largely political, characterised by extensive spin. From my perspective, this drought coincided with a peak in interest in climate change and climate modelling, and at the same time, a peak in criticism of so-called fat cat executives. Broadsheet newspapers regularly covered global warming as a topic, and still the scientific community were pushing against a heavy weight of climate denial. Authors like Fred Pierce were busy writing end-of-life-as-we-know-it books like The Last Generation warning us of the revenge nature would take against us for filling the atmosphere with greenhouse gases. And the weather certainly did appear to be changing. However, as the drought slowly developed and hose pipe bans appeared, it was water company bosses who were criticised for taking large salaries and bonuses, whilst their companies invested too little in repairing ageing infrastructure and preventing leaks. Not much changed in that respect since 1995. Housing developers also came into the frame for building in places where there appeared not to be quite enough water to go around. This political hot potato that no one wanted to face up to created a void that was filled by the media through endless column inches on gardening tips, Mediterranean planting schemes and water saving devices. It seemed as though the media were used to maintain the dialogue about the dwindling resources while the water companies in the southeast entered into a battle of brinkmanship, each waiting to see who would break first and have to apply for a drought order. Gardeners were naturally concerned, panic buying of water butts ensued and arguments began to rumble on in some sectors about the potential impacts of further water use restrictions. With large parts of the UK unaffected, It is no surprise to me that I have had few people say they can remember this drought. After all, it appears to most that it was just all media hype, and in the end, no severe disruption to services was felt. But what was it like to be in an industry where access to large quantities of water was critical to survival? I'm talking about the horticultural industry. I spoke to Bob about his long career in horticulture, which resulted in his being in charge of the Chelsea Flower Show throughout the noughties. We compared his experience of the 1976 drought, when he was running a busy parks department on the Devon Riviera, with the difficulty of trying to prepare for Chelsea, knowing that a drought order, if sought by Thames Water, might prevent it from going ahead. Here's Bob on 1976. Well, it's interesting because you remember the extremes, don't you? The, yes, you do. Um, yes. And uh, I couldn't help to fail but remember uh, the 1976 drought mm. uh, because probably for the first time in anyone's memory of anyone I was working with at the time, um, we um, suddenly saw that we couldn't maintain... Uh, what we were formerly maintaining mm. uh, with tap water that suddenly became a no there was a hosepipe ban introduced mm. uh, standpipes were uh, being talked about if not implemented in in the South Devon area mm. um, and uh, there was no way that we could use tap water to water plants with it would have been outrageous so 
um, we had to think of other means to do that and uh, one of the means was to take water which was in a local stream in Paynton uh, a stream which went on out to sea mm-hmm. um, but extracting water from that putting it in tankers and then transporting it round to the 12 bowling greens we had in the borough uh, plus a number of other ornamental horticultural features that needed maintaining mm-hmm. of course in manpower it became quite an exercise yes yeah. um, and, and let alone other resources that, that you needed like hiring tankers and uh, tankers which um, interestingly enough might have been employed doing other things um, for example um, the tankers which would normally have to go around and empty out gullies mm. um, for dealing with stormwater and having debris in them. They were all bone dry, so they really didn't have anything to do. So it was great that we could commandeer those yes, to yeah. come and do other things. Mm. Uh, and um, we uh, then managed to maintain um, the areas and keep areas alive and mm. functional, at least for the summer. Yeah. And here's Bob on that agonisingly difficult time trying to decide what best to do for the Chelsea Flower Show. So what was that like then in the, in the noughties? Well, I, I think um, the uh, position is that um, whilst you're able to use uh, mains water out of the tap, everything's pretty hunky-dory, isn't it? Because... Mm. You have potable water, you're able to drink it, you're able... Nobody really cares whether you put it on plants because it's quite plentiful. Mm. Um, but I think as soon as you have these drought-type conditions and people start questioning what you're doing, mm. um, it begs so many questions about um, the um, ethic approach that yes. you should yeah. be taking... Mm. And um, the the sort of ethical questions are all about um, uh, is it right then to hold a flower show at all or shouldn't we hold it? Mm. Yes. And uh, if we are going to hold it, how do you manage it and how do you keep it alive? Um, If you don't hold it, and just being absolutely blunt about it, it would make a, a more than a considerable hole in the finances of an organisation mm. like yes. the RHS, yes. who have increasingly relied more upon its income from Chelsea to maintain all the other activities involved mm. in. Mm. And you take that out, what is it not going to do? Is it not going to maintain some of its gardens? Is it going to get rid of all its gardeners? Is it going to... Uh, stop uh, running some of its um, horticultural work that it it carries out so valuably. Mm, mm. So um, I guess some of the uh, problems we had to face was the fact that it was almost inconceivable that we would not have Chelsea Flower Show. Mm. It was perhaps more conceivable there might be other shows that we wouldn't run in a drought situation. Mm. But Chelsea you know, had been through everything in a hundred years. Um, mm. It wasn't quite a hundred years old in 2004, but it was in 2013. Yes, yeah. Mm. Um, it didn't run during the war years, mm. uh, either the first or the second. 
Uh, but uh, because the Royal Hospital grounds we used for growing vegetables mm. during those <laughs> periods. But um, on the other hand, a lot of that was demonstrable ways in which the nation decided to get on with life, wasn't it? Yes, so yeah, that, yeah. that was good. Mm, mm. And you could almost argue that when we were faced with really hot weather, it was another demonstrable reason to show how we could overcome it. Mm, yes. Um, and so we needed to explore uh, every way in which we could still hold the show mm. uh, with, uh, without necessarily using mains water for, any, for anything other than uh, giving to people to drink. Mm, mm. And um, I always <laughs> remember some of the arguments we had about that because, uh, you know, people used to get very hostile and write to us or raise the question, this is terrible, the RHS still holding this show, um, with all these people coming to it but of course the argument about that is that um, we're not eliminating people they're transpositioned people who um, instead of spending the day in Devon they're going yes. to spend it in London mm, mm, but arguably yes. they're not going to drink any more in London than they would have done in Devon so mm, mm. long and short of it is um, we decided at some considerable cost Mm. to have our own borehole mm. which we would then regardless of whether there was a drought or we would use that as a statement of uh, fact of how we were yes. going to run the show oh, we would oh. use water from the borehole um, for flushing the loos with at Chelsea and for mm. watering plants in other words for sort of non-potable mm. use. Well I never expected the RHS to eventually sink a borehole to secure water supplies that would be outside a drought order. But I think it is fair to say that newspaper speculation combined with not knowing how things were going to play out necessitated this quite drastic and expensive outcome. That's all for this podcast. We'll be talking about the ways in which drought is communicated, how and why communications happen and the way they do, and the best ways to communicate in a crisis at the About Drought Showcase event on March the 14th. I look forward to meeting some of you there. Bye for now.